0: Well, good morning once again. It's great to see you here at Hope and Anchor Church. I'm thankful uh, that we get to worship together, that we get to open God's Word together, and uh, see God uh, affect growth in us. Uh, This morning we are continuing in our our Father teaching series, our learning adventure through uh, Jesus' prayer that He taught His disciples during the Sermon on the Mount. This is week number something, ten. Week number 10, and today's message is called World War TP. Now, I will give you a heads up. The next few weeks are going to be kind of like a time capsule. As you know, I, I write, I'm writing sermons ahead of time. I think I'm like 32 weeks ahead, which means I was writing. It's kind of fun to go back to this and get ready for this Sunday because I wrote this sermon last March, not, not 2021, 2020. And uh, so it's kind of a, a, a flashback for me. But we'll get there. Uh, If you're hearing this sermon, good news, it means you survived. It means you survived the coronavirus pandemic. You've lived through uh, a very trying time in our world uh, that started in the year of our Lord, 2020. Uh, Now, if you will, I will have you go back in time with me. If you will join me, let's all get in the Wayback Machine as we go back a little over one year are you there yet March 2020 okay as of the date of this writing which is March of 2020 we are awaiting the great wave of COVID-19 infections to crash upon us here in the Midwest we are being told to prepare to self-quarantine and hopefully survive globally Infections are are rapidly rising. China and Italy are now on lockdown. Daily, there's an increasing number of people who are turning up infected on the east coast and the west coast of the United States as the reports of confirmed cases creep ever closer to us here in Missouri. There's a lot of fear right now with people panicking and governments shutting things down public gatherings are being canceled hospitals are bracing and shelves are being emptied now strangely enough in addition to the normal panic buying of bread and milk uh, in the face of threats and uncertainty people are losing their minds buying toilet paper (laughs) buying toilet paper of all things Along with carts, shopping carts filled with hand sanitizer and face masks, people are stockpiling toilet paper in unprecedented quantities, these massive amounts of of, of doomsday charmin. I don't know if you've thought about it this way, but it's doomsday charmin, people in their bunkers riding out the the the, the terrible cataclysmic global event with adequate supplies of toilet paper. (laughs) Praise the Lord. In all of the my wildest po- post-apocalyptic scenarios that have, all those post-apocalyptic scenarios that have played out in my mind, I never imagined uh, one in which we were scavenger- scavenging feverishly for toilet paper. This never really factored in, uh, where toilet paper was like a, a sort of currency, a, a Bitcoin type thing, where you could imagine people on, on street corners like, I'll give you three squares if you give me a loaf of bread, you know, it's a, it had a currency to it. Not in The Walking Dead, not in The Road, Mad Max, World War Z, or any other, any other of these end of the world storylines has toilet paper figured in as a significant plot piece. Am I wrong? Have we ever seen like, you know, uh, Mad Max <laughs> in addition to guns and bombs and bo- sharpened boomerangs and things? also having toilet paper in their car? No, it's weird, I never thought this would happen. Startlingly, here's what I think it means. When it comes down to it, when it comes right down to it, the idea of living in civilization's ruins with degraded personal bathroom hygiene is inconceivable, it's intolerable, it's simply not okay. As we imagined a world of smoldering ruin we could put up with a lot of ideas a lot of thoughts except for degraded personal bathroom hygiene um, you can have my water you can have my food you can have my guns and you can have my toilet paper when you pry them from my cold dead fingers that's what people are saying essentially I will stake my security on these things and you can have them when you pry them from my cold dead fingers now you may be asking why in the wide wide world of sports is he talking about uh, post-apocalyptic hoarding of toilet paper on a day like this on the Lord's Day of all days well here's why because why were people hoarding why were people scavenging toilet paper why were they hoarding toilet paper Um, i think it was because there was a feeling of uncertainty there was an unknown factor all of a sudden in our world and we responded with desperation we had to do whatever we could to ensure stability and ensure that we might have enough you remember that feeling of uncertainty the fear of the unknown that you felt in those early days of the coronavirus remember do you remember because we all felt it. We all felt it in one way or another. Uh, Something unsure and something definitely unwelcome had intruded into our lives. You see, in our cozy, insulated Western culture, we are well in control of things. Our day-to-day life is very controlled. It's very managed. There's not probably on any given day things that are out of control in your day-to-day life, are there? We live in a pretty good time, in a pretty good place, where there's not a lot of variables. We have a pretty cozy, insulated existence, but suddenly, a threat emerges. A threat emerged in the coronavirus that challenged us, and it defied our sense of mastery. And that was unsettling, wasn't it? Suddenly we are not so sure, suddenly we're not so sure about tomorrow, we're uncertain about whether we actually have enough. Do we actually have enough to get by? Will we make it through? So we panicked. We panicked. And it showed up with things like toilet paper uh, and, and bread and milk and things like that, gas lines, things like that. We panicked. What if what I have today is not enough for tomorrow? That was a haunting fear for many people. This is a basic human anxiety this is something that at some level all humans wrestle with during their lifetime this is a basic human fear which has a long history a persistent it is a persistent source of concern and anxiety in all cultures and in all times throughout history to jesus's listeners in the first century this fear was also very familiar and i would hazard to say more familiar than it is for us here today Outside of the family unit, outside of the family structure in the first century uh, Near East, there was very little in the way of a social safety net. Uh, There was no welfare system. People were comparatively very, very vulnerable. Uh, The Expositor's Bible Commentary kind of paints the picture this way. Uh, regarding the Lord's Prayer, but he also talks about this situation. The Lord's Prayer is for our needs, not for our greeds. It is for one day at a time, which is today reflecting the precarious lifestyle of many first century workers who were paid one day at a time and for whom a few days' illness could spell tragedy. I mean, you, think about your job. If you get sick, there's mechanisms in place to help Uh, smooth that uh, disruption over. You've got sick leave, maybe you have vacation time, maybe there's a pool at work that people can contribute sick days or even a fund to help uh, minimize disruption. Not so in the first century. If you got kicked in the head by a horse or you fell in a well or you got sick and you were out of work for a month, two months, that could spell ruin for you and for your family. So there's very little uh, in the way of a social safety net. So When Jesus instructs his listeners to ask God for their daily bread or the food we need today uh, in the Lord's Prayer, we do well to remember just how fickle life can be and how uncertain the idea of tomorrow can be. Perhaps it's rare, and thank the Lord for it, that we rarely feel that fickleness. We rarely encounter that uncertainty. But, the, but hold on to this, man. The way things are today is not guaranteed to be how they will be tomorrow. There will be uncertainty, and the fickleness of life will rear its head at the most inopportune moments. So in a small way, here's what the uh, World War TP did for us. The small way in which we experience that anxiety about a toilet paper shortage can initiate us. It can, in a new way, invite us to stand with that nervous crowd that was gathered around Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. Maybe this gives us a a new way of hearing and seeing and understanding why Jesus is telling people just like you and me to ask God for what they need. So let's read. Let's read Matthew chapter 6. Let's hear once again the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Verse 11, give us today the food we need. Now, this is the New Living Translation. Uh, if you're reading from another translation, it probably reads a little more, uh, in, a, in a more familiar way. It probably says, give us this day, What? Our daily bread. Our daily bread. Now, as you noticed, probably, uh, we've reached a pivot point in the Lord's Prayer here. Okay, verses uh, 9 through 10, they're asking for things, they're talking about God. Okay, but now we notice there's a pivot. The focus is changing a little bit. We've reached a pivot point. The first part of the prayer is centered on three petitions aimed at God. Three petitions we aim at God regarding His name. May your name be kept holy. The second, may your kingdom come. And then third, may your will be done. God, do these things in our place, in our time. And this is instructive for us, I think. Our praying life, it begins here. Our praying life, our our keeping company with God, begins rightly in this place. It begins here, rooted in praise, in adoration, and embrace of God as our Creator and as our Father. Start your prayers by adoring God. Praise God. Start there. That should be the beginning point of our prayer life with God. It is good and right for us to offer the first fruits of our prayers, uh, honoring God as our Father hallowing his name and inviting his way to become our way, his will, his kingdom to invade our space and make things right. We should ask him to come, see his will and kingdom take root here on earth, in our world, indeed in all aspects of our life. And then Jesus welcomes us to go ahead and ask God for the things we need. Is that surprising to you? That Jesus would say, go ahead. You're welcome to ask God for the things you need. Ask God for the things you need. Rely upon Him for sustenance. Rely upon Him for forgiveness. Look to Him. He is waiting. He's attentive. And He desires to respond. Many times, and I want to maybe speak personally here, but I think it might resonate with some in this room, many times we feel like as a responsible person, or as a maturi, maturing uh, good prayer, someone who prays, you don't ask for anything because uh, that is to be petty, or that is to uh, unnaturally uh, turn the attention to yourself, to be too self-absorbed in praying to God, uh, you know what, why would I think about my own stuff in the presence of this holy God? Has anyone kind of wrestled with that before? Like, how dare I bring my little concerns in here? I feel like that gets my attention off of God and onto me, and that just feels weird. I don't know. If I was really growing and becoming mature, I wouldn't need this so much. I just don't like to feel needy when I come to God. Does anyone else feel that? Am I the only one? I just don't want to feel needy, which I'm like absolutely needy, but it's like, uh, I don't know. It feels kind of weird. But here's the thing I've discovered. To fail to present my very real needs to God, it presents at least two dangers. There's at least two dangers involved in me being unwilling to hold my needs up before God and say, I believe that you can help. I believe that you can heal. I believe that you can provide. There's two dangers. The first is this. At best, when I'm unwilling to to bring my needs to God, at best, I'm missing an opportunity To interact more deeply with my Creator, with my Father. And that's bad, but it gets worse. The second danger is this. At worst, we become prideful. We become self-assured. And in Jesus' language, we become spiritually poor. We become poor. We enter into a new kind of poverty when we are unable to give to God our needs and to confess our need for Him because we feel like we have to have it together. We become a certain sort of prideful and self-assured. And that, my friends, is spiritual poverty. Spiritual poverty. So, Jesus, the first thing He invites us to ask God for is daily bread daily bread. Now, when I was a kid, I thought that you prayed and, like, loaves of bread fell from heaven. I don't know. It's that kind of mechanistic understanding, like, God, give me my daily bread and a loaf of, like, Roman meal falls down. Like, well, God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. You know. Uh, But we are encouraged to trust God. What does it mean to ask for our daily bread? Well, think about it. It means that we are encouraged to trust God for what? Basic essential things everything in your life nothing is out of bounds we can ask for it all we can go to God with it trust him for the basic essential things we need to live our lives every day reminding us that everything comes from him right I mean yeah you went to a price cutter and you bought the loaf of bread that you actually ate but if you really reverse engineer that process we have God to thank for that every good thing comes from God so For me, it's become a spiritual discipline of sorts to set aside my sense of self-reliance and self-confidence and force myself, remind myself to look to God for my daily provision. Thank Him for all of the ways that He's provided for my daily essential needs, the daily strength that He's given me, the daily, even the sense of security that I have in my life, and do this first and foremost. Have you done this? Can I encourage you to do that? As you go grocery shopping, as you put gas in your car, as you do whatever you do, do it from a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. that says, God, this comes from you. This is the daily bread that you're so faithful in providing. God, continue to give me the daily bread, the stuff I need to make it through today. If you've listened to me long enough, you know I like Dallas Willard. Uh, He wrote a book called The Divine Conspiracy and some other books, but I like Dallas Willard and I love how he frames our thinking on what it means to ask God for our daily bread. Listen to this quote. Of course, this request embodies that confidence in our Father that relieves us from all anxiety. The emphasis is on provision today Of what we need for today this is because God is always present today no matter which day it is his reign is the eternal now so we do not ask him to provide today what we will need for tomorrow to have it in hand today does not guarantee that we will have it tomorrow when we need it today I have God and he has the provisions tomorrow it will be the same so listen to this so i simply ask today for what i need for today or ask now for what i need now this is how children do it of course a mother who discovers that her child is saving up oatmeal or pieces of toast or strips of bacon for fear of not having food tomorrow has cause to be alarmed if you find your kids storing up pancakes and (laughs) eggs and bacon under their pillow because they're afraid they're not going to have enough tomorrow that you might not feed them tomorrow That's a cause for alarm. The world being what it is, we can all too easily imagine situations in which the child's actions could be reasonable. But in any normal situation, parents will be astonished and pained that a child does not trust them to provide for it day by day. A child should never have to even think about future provision until it grows older and has that responsibility. Now, to make it clear about the teaching and the prayer, it is quite all right to have things now that we intend to use tomorrow, or to work or even pray in a sensible way for them. But this is important. What hinders or shuts down kingdom living is not the having of such provisions, but rather the trusting in them for future security. We have not real security for the future in them, but only in the God who is present with us each day. I love that last line. We have not real security for the future in these things, but only in the God who is present with us each day. God is the source. God is the one who is with us today. The stuff may come and go, but God is with us every day, and ours is to look to Him daily for that security and the provision we need so i want to finish with this Uh, each week or a lot of the weeks we've kind of asked what is it we're actually saying when we pray this okay each part of this prayer we've said okay we understand we're saying a mouthful when we say this but i think it holds true in this too when we say give us today our daily bread we're actually saying a whole lot probably more than we realize when we ask god for our daily bread what are we asking him for well I think we are asking him for four things we are asking him to provide for our body our soul our hope and our eternity when we say God give us today our daily bread we are asking him to provide for our body our soul our hope and our eternity okay makes sense let's unpack that we say God give us today our daily bread provide for my body a uh, physical provision the stuff I need to keep living we ask God to provide literally what we need to live to survive day by day just as God uh, oh, let me quiz you I guess is there instances in the Bible where God provided physically to help people live for more days what do you think of banana. the banana? banana the banana in the desert okay thanks candy <laughs> I don't know what version you're reading. <laughs> Is that the message? <laughs> um, okay, manna in the desert. Any other uh, physical provision? Huh? Elijah, okay. Any others? Five Feeding of the 5,000. Oh, yeah, great one. What's yeah. that king that was sick and he had boils and he asked God for more time and God healed them? And... Yeah, uh, no, no, Hezekiah. Okay. Sounded biblical, right? <laughs> I think it's Hezekiah that got 18 more years. I I digress. Let's go on. Give us today my daily bread. Give me today my daily bread. Physical provision, what I need to live through the day. Just as God provided bananas in the desert, (laughs) provided manna in the desert. I know you didn't say bananas. I'm just trying to make it awkward for you. Um, Just as God provided manna in the desert for Israel's exodus, he is able, and more than that, he is willing to provide what you need day by day. Is that financial? Is it is it food? Is it health? Yeah, God is able and God is willing. We ask and we trust and we thank our Father for these day to day essentials, those things that we need to live and to thrive, to grow and to become everything He planned for us to be. I like verse uh, five or chapter five, verse seven of First Peter. So First Peter five seven says. Give all of your worries and cares to God. Why? Cuz he cares for you. How comforting is that? Peter is saying to his readers and I'm saying to you, give all of your worries and your cares, give all your worries and your cares to God because God cares for you. As a good father, as a good parent, he cares for you. He wants you to have what you need. So God, when we say, God, provide my daily bread, we're asking for him to provide for our body. Secondly, we're asking God, provide for my soul. And I'm going to use kind of a broad definition of soul here, but basically spiritual provision. Now, you are an integrated being. You are who you are, but you are embodied in your physicality, your mentality, your emotionality, your relationality, all these things come together in creating who you are. I mean, perhaps you've recognized this, that you go to a funeral, and uh, it's a loved one, and their body lies there uh, in the visitation, and you've got this sense of sadness, but you've also got this sense of like, something's missing here. This is no longer who I knew and loved. You know, it's that, uh, who you really, really are. All these components come together to make this thing, this person, this being that's you. Well, we're asking God, give us today our daily bread to provide for my spiritual uh, provision. It's our spiritual provision, our emotional, mental, relational, spiritual being. We ask God to nurture and sustain our souls. And in doing so, it's not just these religious things, it's actually very real things like our fears and our worries. God, may your Holy Spirit come and speak peace to my, my, my frantic heart, my fearful, my heavy-laden heart. You see, God orders our steps. God has numbered our days. The Bible even says He's numbered the hairs on our head. Which, for some of us, that's a lot easier than others. But uh. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to make eye contact during that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know, but what does it mean for the God, the Creator God of the universe, to have the hair? What do you think it means when it says the hairs on your head are numbered by God? What does that mean? That's not rhetorical. What does that? What do you? What do you? What do you think when it says, God has numbered the hairs on your head? What is that telling us? Yes. There's nothing too small. Everything about who you are. I mean, think about your kids. It's like, is there parts of their life you're just not that interested in? You know, I mean, Teddy will show me the 10,000th the drawing that he made, and I still love it. I still love it. It's not new or interesting. I Don't, shh. Don't tell him that. I mean, sorry. Don't watch this video, Teddy. Um, But, you know, I care because it's from him. It's part of who he is. And God looks at you and says, man, I love it. I love it. I love even the hairs on your head. And I know. I've put thought and care and concern into every aspect of your life. He has the hairs on our heads numbered. I think about Elijah at the brook Kareth, or the Kareth brook. I think someone mentioned Elijah earlier. For three years, he sat by the brook where there was no rain, and the the, uh, drought gripped the land as part of God's punishment, yet he was fed. How was he fed? Ravens brought his food. How weird is that? But that taught him an important lesson that we also can learn. We can trust God's plan even when it doesn't make sense. Will God's plan always make sense? <laughs> oh, no. No, it won't. Did it make sense for Elijah? No, absolutely not. Read it in 1 Kings 17. Great story. But he sat there patiently for three years, and then toward the end of that three years, what happened? The Careth Brook started drying up. And he's like, uh-oh, this is a problem. God, do you have a plan now? And he did. God did have a plan, but it was not what Elijah expected. Uh, think about Job. Did Job go through things that didn't make sense? One or two, yeah. He held fast to God, believing in God's goodness and trusting in God's ability to bring ultimate resolution and restoration. Um, I love what Job says. It's even at the beginning of his story, but in Job 1.21, after cataclysm, tragedy has befallen on him in just a spectacular, all-encompassing way. What does he say in 1.21? I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Sweet, fancy Moses. How do you say that? What's going on inside of him that, in the midst of just unimaginable tragedy, sorrow, loss, grief, shock, is he able to say, "Praise the name of the Lord"? The Lord gave. The Lord took away. Praise the name of the Lord. He must have believed something about God. He must have believed something about God's ability, uh, God's goodness. God is able to bring resolution to this terrible situation. God is to bring able to bring restoration. So. Give us today our daily bread. God, provide for my body, my physical provision, but also provide for my soul, my spiritual provision, that which I need to cling to when things are the darkest, when things don't make sense. Thirdly, God, provide for my hope. Give us today our daily bread. Provide for my hope. uh, Provide for salvation, freedom from sin and from death, living on this, this bent planet where we feel so far from you. God, you're the only one that can give me hope. We ask God to save us from sin's death and separation. And He saves us, indeed, through faith in Jesus Christ, His Son, who, uh, interestingly, talks about Himself as what? The bread of life. That Jesus talks about Himself as, I am the bread of life. Desiring more than just the satisfaction of our flesh, of our bodies, Jesus came to fill more than our stomachs. Jesus came to heal and to resurrect our very souls, to infuse us once again with hope. God's ultimate aim is our abundant life. His ultimate aim is to see us set free from the ruin of sin. Jesus' mission was to reconcile us to God by breaking bread. The breaking of bread. Now, this imagery, and we do it in communion, we break bread. What did it mean to break bread in that context, in the first century world? To break bread with someone was doing at least two things. One, it was saying, you belong. Fellowship. You belong at this table. I will share my, what I have with you. But also it was to express concern for their sustenance, for their ability to, to grow and to thrive. I want to make sure you have enough. So fellowship, sustenance. So keep that in mind as we look at John chapter 6. Jesus here is teaching the crowd, and he's using this interesting analogy. I am the bread of life. Look at John chapter 6, starting at verse 22. The next day the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor His disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for Him. They found Him on the other side of the lake, and they asked, "'Rabbi, when did you get here?' And Jesus replied, "'I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs.' But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of His approval. And they replied, We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you, believe. Believe in the one He has sent. And they answered, Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. And what can you do? <laughs> After all, our ancestors ate manna while the, they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. But Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give, them, give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those who he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day for it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life and i will raise them up at that last day so god in his daily bread provides for our hope our salvation our freedom from sin and death which leads us to our fourth thing we're asking for the fourth uh, request we're making when we say give us today our daily bread and that is our eternity trusting our eternity to god our life with God, this promised home we have in that new creation. You see, we ask God to make our future unshakable, to make our future new. And in Christ, remarkably, here's what's happening. We have invitation to participate in the wedding feast of the Lamb. When we get to the end of Scripture, we find that we are welcome and we have a place at this wedding feast. At God's table, we have a seat both now and forever. Isn't that remarkable? That in God's family, in this relationship with Him, He's not just providing our daily needs, but we actually are becoming part of His family more and more, and we will find ourselves at the wedding feast itself. And we'll find that we belong there because of Jesus. As with everything, Jesus came to reveal to us this daily bread we are to ask for. It leads us forward. It leads us on. It leads us into the future. It leads us toward a healed and whole tomorrow. Following Jesus, it leads us further up and further in to His kingdom toward a time when all hunger will be satisfied, all lack will be answered. So the daily provision is not enough. It should be received and held in tension, held up against the backdrop of the cosmic reality, the eternal promise of Christ, that someday there will be no more hunger. There will be no more lack. There will be no more anxiety. There will be no more doing without. There will be no more fear. This ultimate bread that Jesus offers us, this daily bread for which we ask God, it is the fulfillment of all His promises we find running through all of Scripture. When we say, give us our daily bread, God is desirous to give us all that we need. All the promises that have been made throughout Scripture, they come to bear on our, on our request for and receiving of daily bread. To ask God to give us our daily bread is asking Him to sustain us, to guide us, to guard us, and to lead us fully and finally home. To ask God for your daily bread is to believe that He is faithful. It is to confidently ask for everything you need, both now and forever. Are you comfortable doing that? Are you confident doing that? What is it you need today? What is it you need today? Is it, is it physical provision? Is it something for your body? Is it spiritual provision? Something for your soul? Is it something about your hope that's lacking? Is there something about your, 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 the future, your sense of this promised future you have in Christ, is that deficient? Is it lacking? What if we asked God for our daily bread today? What would that look like for you? What is it you need most today? Well, here's the thing, Jesus invites you to ask. So what will you do with that? Will you ask? Jesus invites you to ask, and guess what? God is waiting, he's attentive, and he desires to answer us. So let us ask today, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today, here and now, our daily bread. And may we be satisfied in that. Amen. Father, we come to you and thank you for your goodness. It's remarkable that over and over again you have to state this throughout Scripture, yet we still have trouble believing it and holding to it. But God, your desire is to give us all the good things we need. So many times what's lacking is my willingness to show up and my willingness to ask. So, God, I pray that uh, you would retrain my heart, retrain our hearts, that we would look to you, body and soul, hope and eternity, all aspects of our existence, we would train toward you and say, God, you are the giver of our daily bread. Provide what we need. God, free me from my fear and anxiety, my insecurity about tomorrow. God, may I rest in your provision. May I sense that welcome I have through Jesus Christ into fellowship with you. May I receive the sustenance that you provide through the breaking of that bread. Lord, may we make the Lord's Prayer, that prayer that Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount, may we in a new way today make that our own. Even if we need to actually sit and pray it, Think about those words. Chew on those words and offer that to you. God, may we be attentive and receptive. May we discover and experience your goodness today in that way that we need it the most, whether it's in our body, and our soul, whether it's in the area of our hope or our sense of eternity. God, help us to grow. Help us to become. Help us to learn how to trust in you. In Jesus' name. We're going to worship a bit more. And this is a great opportunity for you to sit with the Lord. Maybe you can pray this prayer. Maybe you can think about what it means for you to actually ask God to give you the daily bread you need. What is it you need the most? So we've got a few minutes here. Why not make the most of this opportunity?